Welcome, students, to the third episode of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazzaroni, and on today's show, I'm joined by Jan Jinganay from the Magenta Cohort. Jan and I talk name pronunciation, our mutual love of Aparna Nancherla, and our upcoming humorous nonfiction projects. On with the show. You Where's that name from? Uh, my, it is French. My dad is French. He's okay. born in France, came over here in the 80s, met my mom, and the rest is history. So, yeah. <laughs> Charming Otherwise known French. as stop asking. Exactly. I no, get no. that question all the time. <laughs> it's fine. He's a long history. Interesting. Yeah, I get Anthony Lazzaroni, so I'm, I, oh, yeah, really? I, get, yeah. I get the nice Italian name, too. Yeah. Uh, but so what, what brought you here? What got you into Second City, into Harold Ramos? What's, why is this your, your spot? Um, well, so my background is in film. Mm -hmm. I studied film in undergrad, then took a couple years, tried to figure out if I wanted to do other things, worked at community center, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then it all came back to film. So I went back and did a year long program um, as part of Boston University. I've mm -hmm. lived in Boston for the last 10 years uh, and did a digital filmmaking program, kind of one year, all hands on, just to really refamiliarize myself. I graduated school in 2007 so between that 2007 and 2012 when I ba went back to school a lot had changed in mm -hmm. like the digital film space so that one-year program get back in um, and when I came out I got an editing job in a post-production place and nice. then uh, what kind of stuff they were doing mostly commercial work okay. so uh, anything uh, anything I or the audience might have seen <laughs> a lot of Toyota spots okay Th that kind of you know commercial films there was one a uh, long program that they did. Uh, I did mostly post-production coordinating and some assistant editing work mm -hmm. while I was there. But they did do this really cool intro for a show on Cinemax that used a lot of um, the episode intros mm -hmm. they did. And it changes per episode. So mm -hmm. it following the story. Gotcha. Which, which was really a, a cool experience to be part of and, and see that process come together. I think nice. it was 13 or so episodes uh, yeah. over the course of the season. So that was pretty cool. And then from there, I went on to work at a small post-production place in Boston. Okay. Um, and did, uh, started off as an editor and then became senior editor there. Mm -hmm. um, and we did, again, a lot of, or differently, more corporate kind of branded content for mm -hmm. companies, which was interesting work. But during that time period, I started to take improv classes yeah. at a place called Improv Boston. Okay. Um, went through I'm, their... I'm familiar. Yeah. And uh, went through their year-long improv program. And actually, at around the time I was finishing up that year-long program, uh, my partner was looking for jobs in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do when I'm in Chicago? And that was around the time that they started the school. Nice. So I thought, well, I like Perfect. improv. I'm kind of looking to pivot because I liked what I was doing with editing, but comedy was becoming more of a, yeah. a primary passion That's, as well. That was my thing for editing too, is like I've, I've tried doing some projects in the past for other people. And mm -hmm. I think I'm just a little too much of a control freak to, mm -hmm. uh, to be able to, to deal with that. Yeah. Like I've, I've done a couple projects, even, even comedy stuff for mm -hmm. other people. And it's just, um, I know one of the things we did here, we, we took a, a workshop, uh, on, on editing. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I are like the most seasoned editors mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> in, the, in the room so. there and, and she's showing some, some, uh, uh, some basic footage for us to work with. And 
the the very like the second shot that I would want to show mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Like they yeah. didn't get that coverage shot, mm-hmm. and so I'm just driven nuts. Like every time I go to I go to sit down and edit, I'm like, no, no, yeah. you're missing you're missing the close up. Yeah. I need this close up right here, and then I need the opposite, and they yep. don't have them, They're and like, it's killing me. <laughs> how can I tailor this? Is there can I jerry rig this shot somehow with editing and yes. make it look like the shot that I want, but it's just not there? Yeah, it's not there, and 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 that's the thing that drives me nuts. Like mm-hmm. I can. I've, it's easier for me to beat myself up for having not recorded something yeah. that I should have gotten mm-hmm. than it is for me to like just be screaming at the at, at the wall yeah. when when somebody like leaves the thing out yeah, that I really absolutely. wanted there. Yeah. So no, I I get that. Like mm-hmm. wanting to wanting to be able to work on your own stuff and and develop it out and actually see it from start to finish. Absolutely. Um, what have you have you done much of your own stuff before this, or is it mostly just been for the corporate work that you've been doing? I've done some short pieces. Uh, my final project for my last the when I went back to film school, mm-hmm. I did a uh, short parody commercial for a dating company called Spark Plugs. Um, so I need to see this. Yeah, it's <laughs> it it was a fun project, and it's kind of where I got a taste. I've always loved comedy my mom was super into like female comedians gilda radner was a name in our house since i could walk my dad is a very funny guy loves all the kind of older french comedians french directors Mm -hmm. that do comedy so it was always part of our family um and when i did that sketch it was kind of like oh i yeah i want to keep doing this kind of work yeah um and then the improv came back into it and then it, it was just the school and it was kind of this happy marriage of I can take this thing I already love working in video mm-hmm. and make it work with comedy too. Yeah. And that, that passion, that dream is now more of a reality. So it was an exciting idea. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I'm uh, another thing that pulled me in is I'm uh, like, I think I'm a big team person. I've played competitive rugby you for think the past. You're a big team well, I know you I am. A bi- I know I am a big team person. Little um, did she know. No. <laughs> but uh, I've played competitive rugby for the last 15 years. Nice. So there's a tie that I saw between rugby and improv mm-hmm. in that, you know, the yes and is a huge thing in improv. In rugby, we say 15 is one. Yeah. You are not doing anything unless it's in the service of your teammates and they can't, it's the same back and forth and everything right. has to serve this team goal. And that's more fun to me right. than playing tennis or, you know, I tried stand up, but it was just kind of a solitary thing. Yeah. Um, so came back to improv sketch writing and, the great thing about improv's great if you want to get out of your shell, but <laughs> are too afraid to do it in the in the form of like yep. stand up. Stand up and improv. A lot of people think, well, it's comedy; it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. No, they are two completely yeah. different things. Yeah, and and both involve great storytelling. Improv just lends itself. There's more that that team catching you. Right. That sa- a little bit of that safety net to start, and then when you lose the safety net mentality, you have so much to work with and, yeah. and run with, which yeah. is really exciting. That's cool. Uh, so, but why? So, obviously, because you moved here, this is the, this is the the main spot for you. But mm-hmm. um, why why make the the jump? So, and you're not late in life, but you're you're like me. It's, mm-hmm. it's late yeah. compared to to others. Uh, I know it's. Uh, um, uh, I'm 34, so yeah. it took it took kind of a, a big push of my own just mm-hmm. to be able to be like I'm. I know I'm comfortable. I'm making a living. I'm doing well. Yeah. To just kind of drop everything and go back to school. Yeah, I mean. I'm 32, so this is a, it, it feels somehow because society says like later in life, but yeah. I also, I try to tell myself 35 is really young for someone to be a president, so I still have time to be <laughs> like, to <laughs> you be young for something. Years, you can still be president. Exactly. <laughs> like someone, oh, he's too young, not enough experience, or she, eventually. <laughs> there you um, go. 
it was just, you know, kind of that drive to not believe I was too past mm-hmm. the time to make this change. Right. And uh, in the, as the kids say, YOLO, you only have, you get one chance. <laughs> as the kids say. As the kids say. No, that this, it's, it's never too late to try something. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also, if, if taking this plunge, mm-hmm. it will lead to something else anyway. That's, mm-hmm. I kind of try to bring that mindset in of like every chance that you take will lead to something and lead to another chance. So, um, it was too much of a, it was too many things that were kind of coming together that interested me not to take this opportunity and try kind of just go see what it can bring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of stuff are you into? Like what's your, what's your, uh, uh, comedic, uh, uh, um, taste or, or style or um, who, who's who, who are your who are your uh, your guys so to speak? Um, well, I'll never forget the first time I saw Waiting for Guffman. Okay. I thought that nothing had been funnier. Just to see that the kind of zaniness of that premise mm-hmm. of the 150 year anniversary of some town yeah. in the middle of nowhere, um, and what they could pull from that. And then I had seen that before. I knew they all had kind of come from this ensemble background Mm -hmm. and to know that 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 existed this idea of like a dream of making uh and creating humor and art with your friends Mm -hmm. with people you're you're passionate about the same things with and that it works and translates to people um and then seeing all the other Christopher Guest movies, you know, Best in Show, Mighty Wind. Which we get to watch Best in Show coming up for uh, for Gary's class. Exactly, for, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that is a... And that, again, like, in my house growing up, that was a quotable movie. My brother and I used to just talk in movie quotes, and my mom, <laughs> as much as she liked comedy, would just eventually have to, like, slam on the table and be like, we, your father and I are here, too. Like, you could talk <laughs> to us. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that... I, I love the, the mockumentary style, mm-hmm. really. And, and, the tr- and so starting with the Christopher Guest movies, but how it's kind of come into the TV realm mm-hmm. now, too. The so Office and, yeah. and uh, uh, Parks and Rec. Parks and, and Rec, yeah. Uh, and uh, even, uh, you know, I don't know that they ever really treat it completely like a, like a mockumentary, but even like uh, um, uh, Arrested Development mm-hmm. uh, kind of has that same yeah. feel of like the fly on the wall, like it's just a camera crew following around a bunch of yeah. real people. That kind of like, instead of just the straight on interviews, this kind of cinema verite right. following this exper- shared experience of of this family. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- those are things that kind of, that really draw me in. Those It's really like, I think ensemble comedies where you see people working to get together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of my jam. That's, that's what nice. I love. But all over the board, really. Just yeah. general. Uh, you mentioned you tried stand-up. Who's uh, what's the influences there? Um, I really, someone I'm really like right now is Aparna Nancherla. I actually oh, know Aparna. Yeah, you yeah. said that. Yeah, <laughs> and um, just the kind of dry wit and the idea of how op- open she is with some of her anxieties and her neuroses, but just making it really natural. And that's who she is. I remember, um, I think I told you this, she has this one line in her standup, something like, uh, having anxiety is like having a bad improv group in your head that is getting endless suggestions, which I just think is such a perfect, (laughs) as someone who, you know, deals with anxiety issues, like that is just perfect. That That is what it is. And that kind of honesty 
and self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's honest and not just beating yourself down, but like this is who I am. Yeah, yeah. She does a, a show. Uh, it kills me. I can't remember the name. The uh, online with Joe Firestone, mm-hmm. and the two of them just as like a sounding board for one another. Like yeah. they're they are each other's uh, neurotic sounding mm-hmm. board. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's just um, a ping pong back and forth. One time I was at uh, a friend of mine worked at Radcliffe, which is the women's college of Harvard, and mm-hmm. she they have a series every year that does uh, gender and something. And mm-hmm. at that time it was gender and language, and I think. I think Cameron Esposito was supposed to be the 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 opening act, but she ended up not She's being able to awesome. do it. So Aparna did it. Nice. We're on a first name basis now. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't think anybody's going to be like uh, confused when <laughs> yeah, you say Aparna. Exactly. Like, with, with with the other Aparnas that are that are popular right now. Yeah. You know we're not good enough at getting people of color. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. In pop culture. Um. So she so she opened and just that was the first time I'd seen her. I'd heard some of her stuff, but seen her and. Um, just really smart and knew her audience Mm -hmm. that she's very smart, but she knew she was speaking to kind of a liberal Harvard audience and, uh, kind of poking at that while also speaking to it. Mm -hmm. And Robin Young was the host who is the NPR host who's, she, a part of Aparna's thing was she talked about some internet lingo and, uh, Robin Young just sounded very, she was like, oh, uh, saying it's lit or something like that, and <laughs> just the partner's face is, it was, <laughs> yes, yes, that's what they're saying. It was it was really smart and, and funny. So she uh, the the first thing that I um, worked on when I moved to DC was uh, a forty hour film festival film mm-hmm. with her old troupe uh, Jinx uh-huh. uh, there, and and I just remember kind of the same thing. Like it was they did an entire improvised film, mm-hmm. and so they they had. The basic premise set up that it was like a dinner party, yeah, uh, and these couples coming over, and so she uh, and this guy Greg Tyndale were were playing a couple together, and it's just basically Greg saying, uh, I remember one of the scenes, Greg just saying like all the things that he loved and was interested in, in the room and that sort of thing, and a partner just saying, mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> like there was just so much written on her face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you you hear, yeah, hearing her is is great, and then when you can see it together, and there's there's a physical. Very low key physical comedy to what she does too. Yeah, which is which is awesome as well. Well, and I, I love the kind of understated like comedians like mm-hmm. um, um, Stephen Wright mm-hmm. or uh, um, uh, Mitch Hedberg. Or, yeah, uh, you know, kind of going down that path. And I feel like she she can go that path, but she's she's a little bit more mm-hmm. conversational in, yeah. in in the delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there there are times where you don't realize she's coming into a one liner, and you're like. It sounds like a conversation, and then she hits this note, and you're like, okay. And then just walks yeah. away from exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Topic. Just drops it, leaves it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, were you trying to do the same sort of thing when you were doing stand-up, or was it? Uh, stand-up was um, a thing. I think I was just trying to challenge myself in terms of writing. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time on the back end with editing and, and, and being part of that story mm-hmm. and trying to really create. Um, so trying to tell some stories, I think I told... I one of I did a couple open mics. I remember one of my bits was just about like so my name is spelled really weird, has mm-hmm. lots of letters and uh it's French <laughs> and both first and last and just telling a story of how I was always that kid in class when you had the like the substitute would come in and they'd yeah. look down the list and you'd eventually get to the names and be like Johnson, Johansson mm-hmm. and there's that dead pause. And I just kind of let him sit for a second 
but I knew it was me because that was, they were like, they couldn't, at first I would see them see the last name, couldn't pronounce it. And then they had no recourse. Usually it's like, oh, Emily. And they make that J shape yep. with their, with their mouth, like, they, like they they're start about to, to say sound it, it but out. don't know how to. <laughs> and then I'm just basically like, oh, that's my name. That's me. That's the yeah. So I, I was just talking about somebody else about this today. For mine, it was always, um, my last name rhymes with my first name. It's Tony Lazaroni. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and people would just try and dive away from the rhyme. Yeah. It's kind of an obvious one. Yeah. Like it's it's my last name's kind of spelled phonetically yeah. if you if you were to pronounce it out. And so people will randomly get it right, but other people will just try mm-hmm. like hell to not make it rhyme. Yeah. Like they'll they'll add other vowels that aren't in there mm-hmm. into the name. I'm like Exa- you're making yeah. it harder on yourself. It's like where did you get that? And sometimes I so my last name is J U N G U E N E T. A lot of letters. But the, the ways <laughs> that people written on envelopes would just insert like a Q at the yeah. beginning where there's no Q anywhere or there's a some some letter that doesn't exist. But there's near Q's the in name. French, so you it, just yeah. have to add it in every name. Exactly. It's the silent Q. It's the silent That's Q, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like just like every other letter in French. You want to pronounce that? <laughs> nah. No, 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 no. You think yeah. that that letter is actually there. It's not there. Yeah. But the letters that aren't there, they're definitely mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You have to read between the lines. Yeah. Otherwise known <laughs> as the letters within a French statement. Um so, so your dad is uh, is French, um, originally moved uh, first generation in the mm-hmm. U.S.? Or? Yeah, my dad, he is short story of my parents. My dad was a uh, race, he used to drive rally car in France. Oh, awesome. Um, and then he ended that career right around the same time as he met my mom, who was a wallpaper designer, had gone over to France. They met in France, mm-hmm. then eventually had to move back to the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, for my mom's job, my brother was born. They moved back, and then he started a wine importing business. Oh, and nice. that's his. And then my brother works with with them. Gotcha. Uh, importing yeah. from from France. From France, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, awesome. Yeah. So, and my dad is also a uh, a root of my comedy interest too. Is there you know, French? There's a big um, history of wordplay. Mm-hmm. Wordplay is huge. You know, just kind of twisting a phrase, and my dad is a king of it in Fr- in French and in English as well. Um, so I love puns. I know mm-hmm. it's considered dad humor, but I love a good pun. I make them all the time. I said at my last job when they started on chat, it was harder for me not to make them than to make like I was like Jan, hold back. Like you can't do that this early. It's and too soon. It's sad because I, I got the same thing. So my old uh, improv coach mm-hmm. uh, uh, for for my Herald team in DC. Yeah hated puns mm-hmm. like absolutely despised them yeah. and literally like some of the notes i would get after shows mm-hmm. sometimes were like it was great right up until you did the pun yeah and i was like he said puns are, are basically you like mugging to the audience verbally because mm-hmm. you're basically yeah. turning and saying look at how smart i am yeah and i sort of get that but mm-hmm. in the same breath like no it's yeah it's just wordplay it's un- not yeah it's like you understand it's hard to hang your hat on on stage but yeah. i'll never not love them yeah. i'll never turn away from them what's your uh what, what's a what's a favorite uh well one i recently told i was at a part a holiday party yeah and i entered i was in the kitchen and i entered in the other room and i said oh look the snack table all aboard the snack train chew chew <laughs> Which I got a pretty good response from the crowd there. Lots of groans. I think groans, if you're talking about puns, are as positive as a laugh sometimes. Groans mean they still get it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's bad if you get no reaction. Yeah. Like a, a pun with no reaction is just, mm-hmm. it, it just sounds like you don't know yeah, what you're saying. Absolutely. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, my dad is French. It, it was funny when. I started playing rugby mm-hmm. in college. And before that, I had played 
soccer in middle school. And then he said, oh, no, it's too violent and you'll never be able to get a group of people when you're older play tennis. I played tennis in high school, hated it, quit. And I started playing rugby. He was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I was like, this is 10 times more violent than soccer. (laughs) But cultural connection. Um, So, yeah. I mean, and I didn't speak French till I was 14. He spoke all the time to us. Uh, I just think we didn't have anyone that many people around us that spoke all all of my life was English. Mm -hmm. Um, I was understood. And then I started speaking at 14. And I think I knew that I was really starting to become fluent when I could understand humor and do humor mm-hmm. in another language, mm-hmm. which was a kind of a cool connection to have and, and an understand a different nuance, trying to, to meet those beats, hit those jokes right. in a different language. Have you ever seen uh, Eddie Izzard? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Where he does, um, I think it was Dressed to Kill or Glorious, one of the two, but yeah. he did it both in mm-hmm. English and in French yeah. for the same set, which yeah. is insane to get that to get that to work with yeah. the wordplay and, and just the comedic beats and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, he talked he, he talks about the he I think I've seen him do talk about it on shows and he's like he'll do the same joke in different languages and it has to hit a different beat in right. every each language, but the humor th- throughout relates. The throughput, like, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's so. that same it's that same kind of underpinning, mm-hmm. which is it's interesting because it, it is yeah, if you're doing the wordplay obviously that has to change up from, yeah. from language to language, but you can still you can still keep the underlying premise and that's mm-hmm. somewhat universal for yeah. people. I think uh, it's, it's kind of why humor is such a universal language. You know, I think they talk about here in story writing unique it's universal. You, everyone has a different experience in different countries, different cultures are different, but like the mm-hmm. human experience, not to get too philosophical, but like human experience is no, shared and you Good. understand, you know, uh, I'm not, and maybe that wasn't the right word, but <laughs> you know, we're all human one under one, I don't know, umbrella, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool to see uh, humor relate through cultures, even without language, you yeah. know, so. Yeah. Uh, so what are you looking forward to here? Like, what projects are you working on now? And what's your, what's what's coming down the pipe that you're excited about? Um, I'm excited for, well, I really love the improv class, just mm-hmm. to create and kind of bond with classmates that way. Um, the... Right now we're doing, we're starting to work on our short doc or, sh- or nonfiction film. Mm-hmm. So I've decided to document myself trying to use one of those bullet journals. Okay. Um, what I, uh, What's a bullet journal? So it's like those blank journals and they have dots on them. Mm-hmm. It's like you can create your own journal and your planner and make it the way you want. Um, and I try to pretend I like to be organized, but I'm super scatterbrained. So I've tried many planners and they don't work. And I was... That seems seeing, insane. It's see, like, yeah, seeing how this works, but it drives my, it like causes almost a panic as well. Like the blank page like that. It's like, what yeah. can you, there's so many options. I'm like, which do I choose? I don't know. So seeing if I can hack it and stick with it and if it'll change my life and <laughs> we'll see if that happens. What sort, what sort of change are you trying to get out of it? <laughs> uh, or a more structured, organizational that planning. Happening. Yeah, I know. <laughs> trying to, I don't know, who knows? I'm trying, I like don't. I use my phone a lot, but I don't like being on my phone a lot. Mm-hmm. So trying to figure out a paper way that like be less, less, ru- less, less rooted required. to the phone and then having everything in one place. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. I, I went the whole hook, line and sinker. I've got now the laptop, desktop, mm-hmm. iPad, phone, yeah. all connected together. So if I add a note on one, it shows up on everything else. That's smart. But 
Well, it it sounds that way, but then every now and then, like something doesn't sync, and yeah. I, and I, I drive myself kind of nuts. Like, all right, where did I put that note? Uh, you know, I'm the cloud is very intriguing, but also kind of frightening. I am a, a personally like an emotional hoarder. Like I keep, I have a lot of things, like knickknacks. I call it organized clutter. But the cloud simultaneously is so convenient. But what if it just goes away? Yeah. Then you're. It's like my fear of losing tangible things. And there's air out there that's my information is in, and it could just go away. There's a, a Werner Herzog movie on uh, on Netflix right now about um, about the internet, and, mm-hmm. and you know the the I read the 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 um, synopsis on on there trying to choose it, which one to watch, mm-hmm. and it, it's like oh it's about the history of the internet. I'm like oh that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's a Werner Herzog film, which should yeah. have been my first hint that exactly. it goes dark. <laughs> yeah. Like you see you see like they show like the first switch, and they have this you know 20 minute interview with this guy talking about like mm-hmm. the first internet switch and how those machines like communicate back and forth. And there's not a whole lot of graphics or anything. It's really yeah. just a guy on screen the whole mm-hmm. time. Uh, and like some close-ups of the, of this machine. And then, but he's got it divided up into these acts. And so the screen goes black and this white text shows up and it's like act one and act two. Yeah. Uh, and he winds up talking about um, uh, this uh, girl who, uh, I don't know if she committed suicide or something like that, but mm-hmm. like photos of her of her body getting out across the internet and how that ruined you know ruined her family and mm-hmm. uh, talking about if if uh, if the internet went down from a solar flare or yeah. something like that, how much of the human population would die within like three weeks? Oh, holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> it's just very yeah very dark and and I have to believe we could we could get away with still living mm-hmm. i think so hunting I, I, and gathering still happen yeah yeah enough people are out there that could probably switch yeah. their their uh, their food supply methods. yeah i think so there's still you know those what do they call them preppers they'd yeah. be ready uh, we uh, just follow uh, doomsday preppers doomsday preppers yeah, yeah. we just follow the, them they've got the uh the, the bunkers with mm-hmm. uh with all the the, the canned food and yeah. everything like that oh Absolute, yeah 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 um well and some of that's not even necessarily doomsday but mm-hmm. like uh, I'm, I'm from I'm from but i lived in oklahoma for a number of years yeah. so they have a lot of uh like tornado shelters mm-hmm. uh either basements or actual like building structures like my, my brother-in-law and sister have one in their garage oh wow that is like this steel building that's bolted to the concrete mm-hmm. which goes down like a certain number of feet so that so that it can't it, like it can't be moved wow uh and it's got like a, a door that, that latches behind them they've got food and water and all, okay. all the essentials in there so it's it's like a panic room yeah but it's in the garage specifically because that's where the least amount of stuff that would like hit it and cause damage yeah. would be oh uh, my God. it's I'm designed to go in there and let the whole house like blow up around it wow have you seen that movie is it cloverfield with um why am I blanking on his name? The husband from Roseanne. Uh, John Goodman? Yeah. Uh, Clo- 10 Cloverfield Lane? Yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane. That's I it. I haven't. I need it's to see it. I, I want to see that because I also have to watch uh, Cloverfield Paradox mm-hmm. now. Yeah. That's on, on, and I feel like they're sequential. I saw Cloverfield. Yeah. It was okay. Uh, the, the movie was, it was an interesting concept, I think. But yeah. personally, just I was like not floored by the movie as a whole. But I just, for some reason, I'm scared of most things. But living underground is an intriguing idea. Yeah. I like to see what, what that could look like. But And somehow that was also the most annoying thing I've ever seen T.J. Miller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That character was like, oh, my God, shut up. Yeah. I like him in most stuff. Mm-hmm. I, he was he was great on Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah. But like <laughs> I love that show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Although now he's going to be off. I know. Did you hear about like the whole? Yeah, more that, or less he kind of quit mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. Yeah, like, and then so, so like shitty. he's not going to be back next season. Yeah, 
they basically written him out, mm-hmm. but they didn't kill him off. They yeah. left him alive. He's just like in Tibet. Oh, and, wow. And I guess it makes sense for the character to do something like that. It does. But, it, but it, it's also it, it it's a dynamic that's going to be completely missing mm-hmm. from. Yeah. From that show. Yeah. So I'm interested to see if they if they find some some sort of way to replace that. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, like the Gavin character is going to become like a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But. Uh, well, any final thoughts for uh, for anybody? So this is ostensibly going to be a podcast about following me, following my, my experience mm-hmm. here and talking to people that I'm meeting and working with here. Uh, but uh, a lot of people that will hopefully be listening to this are interested in either this school specifically or even just film school in general mm-hmm. trying to make the decision. Um, any final thoughts for those people? Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things I was just excited about because my career was mostly – my cre- the creation was mostly in my job, my day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of just constant creation and give, having that opportunity uh, to take that jump and do that here and, and collaborate with people. Um, so it, it's an exciting move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's kind of the idea of just constantly creating, pushing your limits, pushing your boundaries. Um, Always have that next thing lined exactly. up to, uh, to get done. Yeah, and, and to, to go for it. It's never, there's no too old. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's that there's never the perfect time other mm-hmm. than right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as long as you work for it and, you know, grind, it doesn't matter. So just, yeah. just go for something. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. That was Jan Jengene. Thank you to Jan and to the Harold Ramis Film School and Second City staff for their help. The song on this week's episode was Take Care, the newest release from my friends in Party Like It's, available now on iTunes and Google Play. And be sure to check out the awesome music video for Take Care on YouTube by my buddy Taylor Morden. If you want to hear more from me and my classmates, teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. We'll be launching filmstudentpod.com in the coming weeks where I'll post photos, links, and samples of the work I and my classmates are producing for all of you to enjoy. See you all next week. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.